0: everybody this is doug Robertson of the atlanta journal constitution with another edition of the southern fight soccer podcast we are in february of 2024 and this episode is going to focus on saturday's friendly against memphis at the turner soccer complex in athens we are going to talk about atlanta united's roster being mostly set heading into its eighth mls season you're going to hear from manager gonzalo pineda john de silva a johnny fortune or jay fortune as he prefers to be called Dax McCarty, and Tyler Wolf. I'm also going to answer your many, many questions about Atlanta United. There are some fantastic questions. I want to thank you for those. want to remind you, you can call the mailbag at 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527. Put it in your phone right now, or you can never be my friend ever. I'm going to give you three seconds to do that. One, two, three. Okay, good. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When we come back, you're going to hear from the aforementioned players and manager. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluesteak Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. All right, we're going to start with Tyler Wolf and some of the things that he learned last year and going into this year. What are your expectations for this season, for yourself?
1: Myself, I think um, I got off to a good start last year. Uh, I was out beginning of the season with a shoulder injury, but... I think once I got within the group, I uh, got in a little groove, um, was able to get in games, uh, get some goals, impact games. So if I can get going uh, as quick as possible for this year, I think it'll set me up uh, well for the rest of the year.
0: And how, how is the progress so far?
1: Yeah, it's good. It's still a couple weeks in. Um, we just played our first scrimmage. So I think as we get our guys back from international duty, we get our core group together and um, we start gelling, it'll, it'll start to look pretty good.
0: Dax McCarty is one of the more interesting players in MLS. He had lots of interesting things to say. Well, what have you learned about the team and the city in the past couple of weeks?
1: Well, um, maybe this is a a bad thing to say out loud, but honestly, I haven't experienced that horrific Atlanta traffic I've heard about. But uh, I know, I'm certain certain it'll happen eventually. As far as the team goes, uh, obviously, you learn little things about guys here and there, but just... From a distance, um, it's, it's kind of what I expected. Uh, a team that uh, has a lot of, of top-level talent in MLS and a lot of top-level attacking talent in MLS. It's been fun to be a part of the first couple training sessions for the first few weeks and, and just see um, you know, the differences and the nuances that each team uh, has in MLS. And so just getting to know my teammates, getting to know my coaches, um, how things are done, uh at this club uh the expectations that that come with this club which from the outside you always look at atlanta united as a big club and uh a club with high expectations uh big pressure to succeed and to win and then you get here and you realize that that's the expectation inside the locker room as well so um for me that's excellent that's that's exactly what i was looking for in my free agency journey and and as i come up on you know the latter part in the latter stages of my career um i want to be on a team that that expects to do big things and that's exactly what this club expects
0: jay fortune and zonda silva came on friday to the availability jay fortune had some things to talk about with the upcoming world cup
1: we have one of the the best stadiums in the country um and i think that no matter what game we get we will we'll be good but i think if we were able to get one of those later on uh Quarterfinal, semifinal. It would be it would be a a great thing for the city because I know mm-hmm. we'll be able to to create the atmosphere that will help out.
0: When You started playing when you're four or five years old. Did you ever imagine that there will be a World Cup here?
1: Honestly, no. <laughs> uh, when when I heard about it, you know, it was it was something that I wasn't expecting. But uh, I'm glad that it is, and you know, I'm glad to be a part of the team and part of the city, and to to play in that stadium. To know that you know a big game like that's going to be coming here is a is a great thing.
0: Here's John De Silva. In Birmingham last week, you were the first Atlanta United player to be affected by this rules change about being allowed to come back onto the field. Did you know what was going on, why they weren't letting you back on the field? Yeah, the coach, he told us, but like, you know, I was, I was at the game, but I forgot. I forgot right. and, uh, Yeah, so we need to leave it there. It took us a few seconds. You're we trying to figure out why are they not allowing it yeah, back I on? Forgot. And then we remembered the rule change. Yeah, true. I forgot. <laughs> like, yeah, we need, as
2: I said, we need to leave it there and... Uh, yeah, try not to, to stay on the floor
0: for a long time. <laughs> right. And we'll finish with Gonzalo Pineda. Uh, were you nervous yesterday with the transfer windows closing about Tiago and his potential future?
2: No.
0: no not nervous at all? No. Why not?
2: Well, no. I mean, things happen. <laughs> things happen, and, and it's life. So I just, I'm just I just waiting for whatever happens. No, no, I wasn't even uh, paying attention too much to that, honestly.
0: Okay. Well, now that you know you're going to have him for a while, at least until the summer window, does that affect anything? Does that change anything you want to do with the team tactically or anything?
2: No. No, we, we've been planning uh, everything around uh, having Thiago. Okay. So, so until I'm, I'm told something
0: differently, right. we, will, we will continue with that plan. Okay. Uh, Stian, uh, we didn't see him on Friday, didn't see him on Tuesday. Uh, what's going on with him?
2: A little bit of load uh, management. Uh, He's coming off a long season already, and uh, we're going to hit some good minutes uh, next week once we're in Florida. So we're just trying to manage his load, and uh, hopefully adaptation our training
0: methodologies is good enough so it's just that uh, Bartok was out there today was this his first session second session Uh, I don't remember which one but yeah he he was today he was uh,
2: two three days I think in Uh, he's been working with the team uh, very good this week uh, since he's back from he was back from Canada so very happy, very smart player. You can see immediately the the amount of ground he can cover and his intelligence on the field to cut passing lanes and to regain balls and then playing
0: forward quickly. So uh, I'm very excited to see him tomorrow. Will he be a load management thing in preseason two or is he going to train normal?
2: Might, be, might okay. be. It depends on you know, how, how he's reporting after training sessions, okay. certain things. But, of course, yes, uh, we are open to managing him not just throughout the preseason but throughout maybe the, the season because you know it's not easy it is not easy coming off six months of very hard games uh, especially him he's been playing almost Wednesday Saturday right. Wednesday Saturday yeah. very regularly so and then now having the travel the all the that that MLS has right. is, uh, we need to take care of him
0: uh, format tomorrow, what will the format of the, uh, the friendly? Beat? Two 45s, yeah. okay. two, two teams,
2: 45, and, and that's expectation, that's a progression we normally want, kind of 30 minutes, 45, 60, mm-hmm. 75, 90,
0: and we will hit all of those in the next four matches. Will it be perceived first-teamers in the first 45, or are you going to sprinkle it into the two halves like kind of like you did last week? We'll get to see it tomorrow. <laughs>
2: I'm, still, I'm still making my mind on that, and yeah, you will, you will know.
0: This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL.
0: I want to remind y'all on Sunday on Fox and Telemundo, FIFA will announce what level of games each of the 2026 World Cup host sites are going to get. So we're going to find out what level of games Atlanta United is going to get to host. We were talking about this today in the media trailer and It ranges from, we think, three to four games to as many as six to seven games could be coming to Atlanta, partially because it's an expanded World Cup this year to 48 teams. I will have live coverage uh, from Sunday's broadcast. Also going to have several other elements, uh, a World Cup quiz, players you might see, a primer for those who may not know a lot about the World Cup. That's all going to be on AJC.com. It's all going to be tweeted uh, from my handle at Doug Robertson AJC. You can find all of them on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. So I hope that you'll consider following me. I hope you'll consider subscribing to the AJC. I hope you'll consider subscribing to this podcast. I hope you'll tell your friends and family members they should also subscribe. You can't get enough copies of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, is what I've learned in my 50-something years being on this earth. And this podcast is part of the mission of the AJC to be the most essential and engaging source of news for the people of Atlanta, of Georgia, and the South. Stay up to date every day on breaking news, in-depth investigations, politics, sports, entertainment, food, and dining, and so much more by becoming a subscriber to the AJC. Go to AJC.com start for a very special offer and unlock hundreds of original articles published daily to the refreshed AJC.com and the new AJC mobile app. If you haven't seen our new app, I actually like it a lot. It's very easy to navigate very easy to find what you're looking for. You could sign up uh, to get certain push alerts for topics you have a great interest in, like Atlanta United. <clears throat> Not to pat myself on the back, but it, it's really cool. I hope you'll, you know, at least consider downloading it and playing around on it and see if you like it enough to subscribe. I think you will. So that's ajc.com slash start. That's ajc.com slash start want to remind you again, the mailbag number is 404-526-AJCP. I want to thank all of you from a few minutes ago who went ahead and put the number into your phone. You are now my best friends forever and ever. On to the mailbag. From VIPs, friend of the podcast, as Atlanta United 2 has been in MLS Pro or Next Pro for a season, how well is it working for Atlanta United and the players developing there? How do you view the league compared to USL? Uh, it's a good question. I think it's probably too early to know. It's only been playing a season. Um, you don't know about the player development. You need to watch it for a couple of years and look down the line. It's a. I hate that it, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but it is. Um, I don't want to give you a, an uninformed take about MLS Next Pro compared to USL. I will also say that they're not two leagues that I – have a lot of time to pay a lot of attention to because most of my time is taken up by Atlanta United and MLS and whatever Liverpool is doing, like dominating Chelsea, which happened earlier this week. So let's circle back on that next year, but feel free to ask me any other questions about Atlanta United. Sean says, how do you see the East top four and what about the West? Ooh, that's a really good question. The East is... is is just going to be a wrecking ball of a conference. There are a lot of really good teams. Cincinnati has lost a lot. I'll be surprised if they're back on top, especially as well as they played last year. It's just hard to replicate. I think Atlanta United starting 11, maybe next to Miami's, is among the best in Major League Soccer. I really like the Gregerson signing. I really like the Slash signing. I think another season with Lopgenitze, Yakamaki, Salmada, and Silva is going to wreak havoc on a lot of teams. Philadelphia is always going to be tough. New England is going to be really, really solid. Miami, defensively, is going to have some issues, but they may just outscore everybody. Orlando under Pereja, very, very solid. Nashville, you know, they kind of petered out at the end of the year, but Gary Smith knows how to coach. They have a formula that they think works. Now just got to see if they can execute it. Sean continues, over under on 70 goals scored with five stripes this year. I'm going to say under only because the other teams are trying to win too. And the East again is really, really tough. The West, the West is a crap shoot, man. Uh, Seattle, LAFC. I think St. Louis is going to regress to the mean Dallas just signed a really big striker. I could see them really moving up the table. Vancouver is a team that I can never, ever figure out. Um, And Colorado made, what, four or five big acquisitions. So those are some of the teams, I think, to watch in the West. Sean ends with, other than Caleb Wiley, who's the next homegrown to get regular minutes? Well, regular is kind of a nebulous word. Caleb Wiley got a lot of minutes last year. Jay Fortune played really well in his minutes last year. Tyler Wolf, I think, was the fourth leading goal scorer on the team in his minutes last year. The problem that each of them have is they have veterans ahead of them now. Lot of competition, which you know is a good thing, as Jay Fortune says today, "Iron sharpens iron," which I have no idea if that's true. I've never sharpened iron before, but it's a cool phrase. So, of the of that group, I don't really see. I, I think you'll see the minutes being about the same. A lot's going to depend upon if Atlanta United can do better in League's Cup. They got the draw earlier this week. Santos Laguna and D.C. United are in their, their original group. If they progress a little bit more, some of those guys are going to get some more minutes. And, of course, there's also international duties. you got the Euros this summer. Uh, MLS is going to play through Copa America. So there's going to be players going down to South America, which is going to give some of these guys some time. So... If I had to guess who's going to get the most minutes of the homegrowns, I think it's probably going to be, I mean, other than Kayla Wiley, I think it'll be Tyler Wolf because he can play on either wing. And Sabalobjanice may be off with Georgia. Uh, Tiago may be off with Argentina. He can play that attacking midfielder role. So that's who I think it'll be. On to Nick, who says, friend of the podcast, Happy New Year, and I hope you enjoyed your trip to Birmingham. I did. Um, had a great dinner at El Barrio. That's the neighborhood in Spanish. And then Sunday, uh, we went down to the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery, a very educational, very sobering uh, museum, very well done. If you get a chance for a day trip to Montgomery, if you have an interest in some of the parts of U.S. history that some people don't want kids to know, but they need to know, go to the Equal Justice Initiative. Fantastic. Fantastic. He continues, you mentioned something along the lines in a previous podcast of not liking the depth of this team as much as others. I think what you meant to say was, I don't like the depth as much as others do because the way you wrote it makes it sound like I don't like other teams' depth. I think that's what you mean. Um, building depth in MLS is hard. That's Salary cap prevents that. Some of these goofy... Roster acquisition mechanisms and rules prevent that. The best way to do it is by developing homegrowns, and Atlanta United is doing a very good job of that. It's just going to depend upon expectations of those homegrowns. And if Pineda sprinkles a few in, you know, uh, off the bench, or if he has to start a few of them wholesale, depending upon the circumstances of the season, that's where it gets a little squirrely for me. Nick says, I see central midfield as a potential issue. What say you? Actually, I don't. I think. Jay played really well in central midfield in his minutes. Tyler Wolf can play there. Nick Firmino is not a homegrown. He's coming from Atlanta United, too, but he's already scored one goal in the preseason. He's got goals in him. That's not the issue for me. I think it's more the the fullbacks behind Wiley. Uh, Ronald Hernandez is a serviceable player, but he's not going to be an impactful player. Those are the areas that concern me a little bit. Donna says, do I have any insight on why Miles Robinson preferred playing for less money in Cincinnati? Was it mostly about the artificial turf or was he a disgruntled employee? No, I don't think he was a disgruntled employee. Sometimes, you know, you're at a place for seven, eight years, which Miles Robinson was here with Atlanta United, and he just wants something different. And that was part of it. I think he did want to play more games on grass the contract with Cincinnati is structured in a way that he still has an opportunity to go to to play in, in Europe. He said he wants to go play in Europe. He didn't get any, I guess, uh attractive enough offers to warrant him leaving Atlanta United to go to a club in Europe. I think he's gonna have a monster year for Cincinnati. He's two years removed from his Achilles rupture, which, you know, he played last year. He wasn't quite as good as in years before, but he was still, I thought, pretty darn good. I kind of expect the same of Guzan this year. He's now two years from his Achilles rupture. I think he's going to be much improved from last season. Blake says, I love the show. Thanks for being the go-to source for Atlanta United News. I will send you an amount of Bitcoin for that, Blake. Thank you. I'm counting down the days for the European transfer window to close and am anxiously holding my breath that the team keeps Almada. Well, they did. The windows are closed. He's not going to Europe. Play continues. I saw one post yesterday about a rumor linking him to an Italian team. That would be Fiorentina. And obviously it didn't happen. So it could have been a legit rumor, but y'all need to, I've talked about this before on the podcast. There's a gigantic difference between a team expressing an interest and a team making an offer. A team expressing an interest could be as simple as them calling Carlos Bocanegra and saying, hey, how much do you want for Tiago? Well, that's not even remotely close to actually making a genuine offer. So just be mindful when you're reading those things. Just because a team has an interest, it doesn't mean that there's actually been anything tangible done. On to Michael. I have a couple of questions about the new rule requiring a player to leave the field for two minutes. It's actually, I think, three minutes. If a trainer needs to come onto the field to tend to them, I understand what MLS is trying to do and agree with its underlying purpose. So this was a rule passed this year that if a player suffers an injury on the field that requires a trainer to come out, and I think it takes more than it's either 10 or 15 seconds. Once that player leaves the field and they're miraculously recovered, they can't just come right back on. They have to sit out. I think it's three minutes. Um, that happened last weekend in Birmingham. Uh, Coach uh, Pineda had told the players before the game about the rule. Silva was the first affected. He said he forgot kind of in the heat of battle. I told him that we had forgotten too. We're sitting in the press box wondering why have they brought on Silva yet? And then one of us remembered, oh yeah, there's a rule change. And so that's the rule. I, I like the idea of it. Um, you know, you see all over the world, not just major league soccer, when teams get a lead, If they're on the road, there's a lot of time wasting. There's a lot of gamesmanship that goes on. And this rule is designed to try to punish those that practice that kind of stuff in games. We'll see if it's effective. Uh, Michael continues, am I correct to assume the rule does not apply if the injury is a result of a foul for which a yellow card is issued? That is correct. Beyond that, does the referee have any discretion to waive the rule? I don't think so. Does it apply when two players clash heads and both need to be tended to? I believe it does. Are there other nuances or exceptions? I don't believe so. Uh, don't forget now you can have concussion substitutions too, and those are going to take some time anyway. So the two to three minutes for concussions is about the, the same for uh, the time wasting, but those are good questions, Michael. Thank you. Curious at the following players, says Greg. With ties to Atlanta United have caught on with a new club, and where? Joseph Martinez. Uh, There was a report yesterday that Montreal is interested in him, which I've got to imagine would boggle the mind of someone who is in warm Spanish-influenced South Florida going to cold French-influenced Canada. I, I, how you go from Cuban sandwiches to poutine is beyond me because I love Cuban sandwiches, but either there or Valise Sarsfeld, I've uh, been rumored uh, to be interested in Joseph Martinez, Mateus Ozzetu, uh, no new information, Machop Chol, no new information, Omar Sadich, he and his wife just had a baby girl. Uh, he was posted about that on Instagram. Connect, uh, congrats to them. If he listens to the podcast, uh, but no new information. He may have also been waiting Uh, for the birth of his, his beautiful young daughter before he goes and joins the team, which would be totally understandable. So no new information on him. Greg continues, any word on the new away kit leak or when it will be unveiled? Well, if you start looking at dates, they're in Athens tomorrow, the 3rd. They're in Tampa on the 10th. The season opens on the 24th. So that leaves one Saturday. If I had to guess... That is the Saturday when the new kit will be unveiled. Friend of the podcast, Pat says, glad to see Joseph possibly finding a landing spot. Do you see it as a good fit for him? Well, I kind of just touched that. As far as the playing styles, I've got no idea what Valise Sarsfeld does. Uh, Montreal, you know, again, another new manager, a club that kind of has a niche for what it wants to do. I don't. I don't know if Joseph will fit in there, simply because I don't know enough about that club and the new manager. Um, Joseph is now a few years removed from his knee surgery. I think he has one, more, at least one more good year left in him. Um, we were trying to guess what his salary might be should he agree to a, a contract with Montreal. I'm not. I don't want to get into that. But yeah, I like Joseph. Um, I think he's mellowed a little bit, which was probably good for him. I'd like to see him have some success again in Major League Soccer. He, uh, he he meant a lot to those of you who are Atlanta United supporters and, and lived in the city. Um, so, you know, you never want to wish bad of anyone. Uh, Pat continues in that vein. A question I've been meaning to ask was about Joseph in the locker room. It seemed as an outside observer that as long as things are going well for him and the team, he was a good influence, but if either of those were not going well, he could be an anchor on the team. Just interested in your thoughts if you feel able to share. I don't know if anchor is the right word. He was a super competitive person, and when he wasn't meeting his expectations or the team wasn't meeting expectations, you know he, he would show his emotions. Uh, that can be both a good thing or a bad thing. It just depends on the chemistry of the locker room, the chemistry of the team. It obviously worked for Atlanta United the first couple of years. And then I'm sure Joseph probably had some frustrations at not being able to do what he once could do when he was trying to fight back from his knee injuries. And it, it might have influenced others negatively. I don't know. If they're all professionals. You would like to think that it wouldn't have. I, I don't blame Joseph if he was frustrated. Uh, you know, there are probably some better ways he could show it. The incident with the rice, for example, that was not the first time that happened. That happened several times before that. That wasn't really, I guess it was news, but it wasn't news, if you know what I mean. Anyway, well, look for, but Joseph, you know, when he got to Miami, he seemed to kind of mellow out a little bit. He and I had a long conversation after the U.S. Open Cup game, talked about his son, talked about life in Florida. He seemed really happy. Um, I hope he could find that same happiness wherever he goes next. Jason says, this is a long one, uh, not the question of the week, but a long one. I hope I made the cutoff for the next podcast. You did. Can you do me a favor? Of course. And your best coffee laced voice. I'd like to hear you dash the hopes of all the United fanatics and crush the rumor that we'll see Almada de Fiorentina and then use the money to bring Miggy back from Newcastle. Well, that's obviously been crushed. And I, we talked about this on Tuesday before the window closed. I wouldn't, I do not see that ever happening Um, for a lot of, Reasons, at least bringing Biggie back, it would have to be a sweetheart of a deal, and I think there would have to be certain assurances from Almiron regarding uh, doing things that help the league and the team that maybe he wasn't as keen on doing the first time he was here. But that's just my take on that. That's not inside information. Jason continues. A few months ago, there was an article that rated the NFL team facilities. That was last year, I think. I think the Falcons ranked in the middle of the pack. It was very interesting to hear how bad some players have it compared to others in the locker room. I'm thinking Atlanta United ranks fairly well compared to other facilities in MLS. Do you see that changing as new teams enter the league and new facilities are built? I don't think it changes. I think more teams are copying some of the things that Atlanta United did, which they copied from some other teams that they went and visited both in Europe and major league soccer kind of a conglomeration of ideas, so to speak. Um, while Atlanta United probably is still, their training facility isn't the jewel of major league soccer, which it probably was in 2017. It hasn't dropped. It's just other teams have kind of raised their bars and have built very nice facilities too. Does Atlanta United plan to continue to modernize? Uh, they are talking about, I talked about this in December, I think, um, building, uh, maybe a standalone addition. Uh, there's a, if you've been to the training facility for one of the supporter days, there's a triangle of space over near in between the main off the main building and the pavilion in which they're thinking about building on that just to get some more space. Because frankly, as soon as they moved in, they were out of room. It, it needed to be a little bit bigger, but I'm not an architect or an engineer. I'm assuming they built it as big as they could on the land they had. They did buy that big parcel of land behind the building a couple of years ago, but I think that it can't be built upon. Um, I think that it's like a water runoff area or something like that. So that's that's what I've heard. I did ask if they're already considering moving and was told no. Um, but it's Atlanta. You know, new buildings get replaced all the time. How much of an impact does the environment and fan base play into an athlete's choice compared to the amount of money in the contract? He, uh, he says, not that you can get into the head of other individuals, but you have a chance to interact with players more than the rest of us. I, I think it just depends upon uh, where the player is in their career. Some players want new challenges. Miles to Cincinnati. Uh, Bartos, Bartok leaving Poland to come to Major League Soccer. Jurgos. Leaving Scotland, where Celtic is a perennial power to come to Major League Soccer. Some of it has to do with standard of living. Some of it has to do with cost of living. Uh, there's a lot of different factors that that weigh into it. And sometimes it works, and infrequently it doesn't. Finally, do you think they will put turf in the bins? Just kidding. AJC subscriber and faithful listener. All right, Jason, I was going to have to throw my microphone up against the wall if I answer that question one more time. I'm glad you put JK on it. Now our question of the week. My name is Alan, and I live in Johns Creek. Well, hello, Alan. I'm a longtime listener, and this is my first question for the podcast. All right, Alan, make sure to send me your address, and I'll have uh, Matthew, who's on the board today, mail you five million copies of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution as your gift. Back when Saba joined the team in the summer window, you said that he did not look like a soccer player, and I agree. It took me a while to figure out what he looked like. And my conclusion is that he looks like a heavy metal drummer. Yeah, I think a heavy metal drummer or kind of a grunge pop Orange County band singer is what he reminds me of. He's a very good soccer player, but he just doesn't look like a soccer player. If you agree, which drummer or heavy metal group do you think he could play for? Feel free to insert your favorite band. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Andy summer of the police. Um, but I think Andy summer is actually a pretty tall, big dude, but for some reason that's who he reminds me of when I see him. Um, I, I don't, I'm not a big drummer guy, but it's a fantastic question. So what bands could I see him, you know, uh, sublime back before their lead singer, uh, you know, lost his life. Uh, Goldfinger, those Orange County bands. It, it just looks like, to me, who Saba would be singing for. And I think it would be awesome, and he would rock out. All right, here's a reminder to tell your friends about our show. Please give us a rating and a review on Spotify and Apple. That's what helps us grow the podcast. We will be back at some point next week. I don't know what day. I'm flying down to Tampa on Wednesday to cover that friendly and then there's another one on Saturday and I'm trying to make the flight back out of St. Petersburg. I think it's St. Petersburg I'm flying out of. So maybe on Friday we'll have another podcast. And as most of you know, I usually sound off by, you know, reminding you to hug your loved ones and communicate with your loved ones after going to the equal justice initiative. I want to add to that. So hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones, practice empathy, and just strive for awareness. Thanks for listening to Southern Fight Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.